0: Educators are the key to children's growth and learning at school. They are knowledgeable, caring, reflective, and resourceful professionals who bring diverse social, cultural, and linguistic perspectives to their understanding of children's development within the kindergarten program. Page 112 of the kindergarten program document. In this episode of Curious in Kindergarten, we will be speaking with kindergarten specialty educators from across the board. These educators are a key member of the educator team as they help support learning and development across the four frames. The role of each specialty educator is unique to their school community. Together with the homeroom educator team, they collaborate to plan and implement a dynamic program which connects to the learning expectations in all four frames. I would like to welcome three specialty educators who are joining us today on the podcast. So I'm going to welcome Julie, Jennifer, and Joanna for joining us today. So thank you for taking the time to talk to me.
1: Thank you for having us.
0: Thank you. To get things started, I was just wondering if each of you could share a little bit about your role at the school. Do you mostly spend time outside? Do you add a little music or pizzette into your day?
2: If you wouldn't mind sharing kind of what your specialty educator role kind of looks like. I am 0.5 outdoor ed, and so I have three classes outside. And so that uh, part with the kindergarten prep is outside 100% of that 50% of my day.
1: (laughs) That's the same for me. I have three classes, three kindergarten classes, and we are outside for all of it. And I
3: almost entirely outdoor kindergarten prep. I work in the outdoor classroom and we stay outside as much as possible,
0: obviously. And then part of my role is grade one science, which I also do outside. It's nice to get those grade ones still going outside again too, right? After all that time in kindergarten, maybe we'll inspire some of those one to eight educators to explore some of the learning in the outdoors. And that's always what's great about the four frames, right? Is that we can cover all of our curriculum when we're outside exploring with the children's. So really, as a specialty educator, how do you really keep that open communication when you're working with the homeroom educator team? Do you find you have any strategies or tools that you use when you're kind of co-planning along with those homeroom teams?
3: For me, I would say that it's a lot of conversations. We have a real team approach at our school, and it's not just with one classroom it's our whole team we discuss lots of things but for particular classrooms the connection is always the ECE partner they're the link between indoors and outdoors and because they're always with the kids and they are just a wealth of knowledge in terms of you know way to bounce ideas off of them and get insight into what's been happening in the classroom so that we can sort of it outside or do something different depending on what's needed. Yeah. I
2: absolutely 100% agree with that. They then go, you know, after... Our class time, they go back with the kids and they see their partner in the classroom so they can communicate anything that has happened during that time or exciting moments or maybe something that just needs to be noted or talked about with a classroom teacher. And I feel that they are just such an integral part of the team. We also have, I'm also an educator on all of the digital platforms. And so I am. One of them uses Google Classroom and the other uses Google Keep. And so that's another way that we communicate by just documenting what's happening during outdoor time.
0: That's the beauty, right, of the kindergarten program is there are the
2: the two educators. So whether it's
0: the two of you outside or the two of them inside, it really does allow for that consistency, even for the children or you can bring you know some of that learning that's happening outside maybe into the classroom Mm -hmm. or they can bring some of that exploration and you can add it into your outdoor learning environments
1: especially when our day is so hectic running and getting one class and getting another class and so we don't have time for those conversations in between so it's, it's in between when we're setting up outside and then we can have those conversations with the ECE and we can find out what they've been doing or, you know, how they carry that through. So, yeah, agree with that.
0: You talked about using uh, Google Classroom and Google Keep. Are there any other tools that you like to use for documenting or have you found kind of those Google tools have been really helpful in keeping that communication and sharing all that learning that's happening outside?
1: I just have a Google, just a simple Google Doc that I have a couple of them actually going. So one of them is the weekly plan for outside. And so I make sure that I share that on, usually I share it on a Friday. And so they know what's coming up for the week and then, um, and they're all added to that doc. And so that I make sure that there's something for small world and sensory, there's something for gross motor. I'm just looking at it right now. Mm, yeah. Something for arts and fine motor, science, nature, exploration, mud kitchen, literacy special themes, things like that, so that they know what's coming out for the week and it's open to that they can edit it. They can add to it or change things around so that we're kind of planning online as we can together. Obviously, I take the initiative and sort of take like get it started and then there's other there they each have their own Google Doc that is almost like when we do our, our anecdotal notes where it's a chart with the names and then I just slot in pictures and comments and things like that. And that's how I share for reporting, because they're not on Google Keep or anything like that. But as well, we're also on the digital platforms. Our school doesn't have access to tech, really. So when we did close for the two days this year, our choice board, what we decided to do was put it on, um, for the outside part, put it on the fence. We just had one of those uh, plastic sleds, you know, for the Toboggan Hill, put one on the fence so that it could be seen by whoever's walking by so that's that's what we do to share
0: it's a great idea to post it outside in the community because especially on those days of parents are out walking or caregivers are out they could see some of the activities so kind of to go along with that using those shared documents to communicate how are some other ways maybe you're communicating with families um, or caregivers about what's happening outdoors
3: i send emails through you can do it through the sys you can send it sends an email to the first contact listed in the child's uh, documentation that's through the school so i send it per classroom and i send it with things like communicating what um, they might need to change in order to be comfortable outside so for what they're wearing or the order of dressing and, and encouraging families to let the kids do things as much as possible by themselves those tricky zippers you know (laughs) but also just some of the things that we're doing or if we're collecting things like we've collected sticks before for different activities and kids can bring that that in or cardboard boxes because we do a lot of work with cardboard boxes build with them and things like that so we send information that way send some pictures sort of generic everything that we've been working on not necessarily individual photos but and send that to families. And most families, if they need to, they can translate that into a language of their choice, which is a big, big thing here at our school. And the visuals help as well for families to be able to to post or to look at and, and get the ideas of exactly what's needed
1: to stay comfortable. That's an excellent idea, using the SIS to do that. We also just still do old fashioned photocopied notes going home in the backpack. <laughs> works with uh we just had one home that had a visual of it was like clip art of somebody wearing a hat and snowsuit and everything and then arrows pointing to it and literally like this is number one you put on you know this is the order that you put them on right your snow pants go on before your coat and then your your mittens go on last so that they just had a visual to put up on the fridge at home.
2: I just have been in communication with the homeroom teachers when they send out their newsletter and just adding the information through there. We also have a ton of families that if I've taught the older siblings, I've taught at the, this school for 12 years now. And this is my first year out of the classroom, like out of kindergarten classroom and more outside. And so I just know a lot of the parents, like I see them in the community. I see them through their siblings. So I think there there's lots of communication, but just more in person and seeing them.
0: That informal communication is so important, right? It helps build that relationship. You can have those conversations. And I know a lot of people are excited that parents can be at the gates again this year or we can have volunteers come in and do some things. I love the idea of sending home that dressing schedule because it helps keep the language consistent. Like if we're we're using, you know, snow pants, coat, hat, that's something mm-hmm. families can do and hopefully help them maybe get their child dressed and out the door a little bit faster in the morning as well. If the prompts are working at school, hopefully they'll
1: work mm-hmm. at home and yeah. keep practicing those zippers. Dressing properly is really important. It's, I'd say it's one of the most important things for us, right? Because if they're not dressed properly, then they're not enjoying themselves outside, you know, and we want it to be a good experience for them. We've been talking a lot about hibernating and migrating and adapting and how we adapt also, like we can't grow our extra fur and we can't get fatter for the winter and we can't, well, we can't, uh <laughs> I mean, all sorts of things. How can we add another layer? Well, we can put on our snow pants and we don't have to wait till it actually is snowing to put on Mm -hmm. snow pants we just wait till it's cold and that gives us our extra layer to put on so kind of tying it into what we're learning anyway Uh, that for us here at the school that I'm at that's difficult sometimes with clothing but we're really fortunate to have tons of clothing donated and having a cupboard so you know there's always somebody that will run and get a raincoat or boots or something like that so that they can be comfortable outside
3: yeah we have the same so if Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's just a matter of you don't have enough dry mittens for the number of times they're outside. We have extras of those kinds of things and it makes a big difference if a kid's hands are warm or if they can have warm feet then they're going to be happier outside and for longer. It really tones down the stress of everybody, <laughs> including the educators. Yeah.
0: And for some of the children, it could be their first time spending that much time outside, right, depending on if you're new to Canada or what their experiences were when they were younger, sort of, in just sharing with parents that you do need extra mittens or extra socks, and having that visual breaks down so many barriers for them.
3: One other thing that I think is important for communicating with families is I'm often CC'd on emails that are sent to families regarding information. Or I get information from um, the educators uh, when they're sending stuff home with parents about meetings or new strategies to try. Or if there's a change in how their family is running, parents are separated or they're Mm. being picked up by someone different now. Or those kinds of things really help to give me a better picture of what's happening with the child. And just being included as part of those is is really important. Also being, I've been invited, I'm um, not always able to attend, but if there's a interview or a meeting that they're having about a child who's struggling, I'm able to be part of those and, and they do make an effort to include me, which I find very valuable because I see different things outside. It's a different environment and sometimes we can give some strategies that are really working or things that are calming or supportive for the child that uh, might not happen in a traditional classroom
1: i like that you can often get those positives right like that we want to hear that parents need to hear in those meetings from what happens outside that you know might not be that way in the classroom but side i see like how great he is at you know building this or he's really creative because he's up and he's moved, and they can see how they're how successful that they can be right I really love that you're part of those meetings. I think that's a really good thing.
0: It supports that relationship piece too. Yeah, and I love how you say, yeah, different environments, we behave different Mm -hmm. in different locations. So it is great that, yeah, you can share those different strategies. And just like we use that ECE to help communicate maybe between, it's great to value what you're seeing outside with what you're seeing indoors too. So thanks for sharing that. So you talked about collecting some of those boxes and some of those other uh, loose parts. Do you have like a favorite material or item that you'd like to use outside or or something interesting that you've collected that you find the children are using right now that you'd like to share? Maybe people put on their their list.
1: Uh, One of the most inexpensive and most used items that we have is the buckets that we have hundreds of buckets. And I think you have them too, Julie. Do you have a bunch of them? Ours broke,
3: Uh, yeah, but they're amazing. Yes, I love them.
1: (laughs) I know, and they were just free from, so uh, we had a parent who worked in a chocolate factory, didn't get any chocolate, but got the buckets. And she just brought, like my minivan full of buckets, I was giving them away, I had so many buckets, I couldn't even store them in the shed. So I've kept a couple hundred of them, which I think is enough. And so those just as a loose part was what I at first when I was doing it, I was trying to kind of do what I did in the classroom. And I was, you know, when we were trying to get everything natural, and it works outside sometimes, but it's not good for all year long for where we are. Mm -hmm. Right. So when it's wet or when it's snowy or those materials aren't the ones that you're going to bring out but the buckets seem to come out no matter what and they build with them they make arches with them they they use them as stompers and their feet fit inside them it's pretty neat to see what what they do so and we have bigger ones too just the you know the home depot ones milk crates those half pipe ramps those are i want to get some more of those those are So I just I have an old uh, garden wagon that I just kind of call my loose part wagon. And I just rotate things in there, those kind of things so that they can do use them in different ways and sometimes mixing other other things in them. But I think the plastic we were trying for so long, we were going away from plastic and not using plastic. But outside, I think it does work really well. We use an
2: old pool hose. Oh, the cool vacuum hose. And uh, it's been around for years and it has been used from, you know, a marble run to water collection to riding on a snake. Like (laughs) there's so many things that are open ended, but it has been around for uh, quite a while. And I believe my teaching partner actually found it like on the side of a road and she Mm. stopped
1: her car and was like, that would be great for outdoor play. It just shows that the most, you know, the most important things and most used things aren't the ones necessarily from the catalog that cost hundreds of dollars mm-hmm. there. Yes. The ones that are yeah. found or...
2: With that being said, our kids do love, though, when I bring out the clipboards and the magnifying glasses, it's like they're all of a sudden I am the little scientist and it takes a while to get used to, you know, actually using the magnifying glasses properly rather than like right up to their eye. but. That's the whole experience in itself and it may take us till December to learn that, but just seeing themselves as an observer and seeing themselves as a learner in that environment i I find fascinating. So just as soon as you get the give them a clipboard and a piece of paper
1: they're they're scientists they're they're observers
2: they're in charge
1: and you're valuing what they have to say and what they what they see right I think that's great mm-hmm. Yeah, we love yeah. our clipboards too. And they're we use them for everything. Like that that also for observations, but even just when there's papers on a table so they don't blow away. I just put them out on clipboards. <laughs> yes. you they know, say that's clipboards so true. are number one if you're gonna order something, that's yeah. start with the basics, start with the clipboards for yes. sure.
2: Yeah. And then they can be used also as a harder spot, like if you're playing games with dice or anything, like they can yeah. be used as a portable desk. They can be, you know, flip them over and you can
1: start building with them and <laughs> they're very versatile. Take a marker and make a 10 frame on the back of them or with tape, yeah. things like that.
0: I love my clipboards too. They're definitely handy. Use them everywhere.
1: I'd say the next thing that we have that's used every day is the mud kitchen with the pots and pans and everything that's just been collected from Goodwill over the years sorting out and keeping the stainless steel. So if you're going to look for it, look for stainless steel because the other stuff rusts. I don't know how to tell the difference between stainless steel. I try all the time when I'm at the thrift store, but you know, I find out when it rusts and that goes, but that is out every single day. And so we just try to change up what the focuses, or just trying to give them something else give them a starting point or a question or you know make a sign or something that they are intentionally doing in the in the center but if they take it and go somewhere else with it then that's fine too uh, often they take the pots and pans and use them as drum kits or you know use them as hats or use or mix them with the loose parts and stuff like that but i think that that would be another thing that. We have out all the time that they use
3: i also think that the mud kitchen we love the mud kitchen here as well it's it's always a big hit um in fact when we had our our space redone this summer they virtually took out all the mud in Mm -hmm. our space and so we had kids digging at the side of the fence because that they were used to it they so we've repurposed another area and um they use the mud kitchen but i think what's so valuable about it is that it's a place for them to gather, to have that dramatic play where they're sort of talking like their Mm -hmm. families do or sharing meals, quote unquote meals, uh, like their families do or cooking. And we talk a lot about um, different foods that come up in different cultures and how they're represented and how you can, with all the loose parts that are available, just sticks and, Mm -hmm. you know, things they can make whatever it doesn't have to be something specific but they they they're just uh it's a really great opportunity to have those good conversations and dramatic play
1: and it doesn't have to be anything fancy it doesn't have to be a store-bought purposeful built mud kitchen from a catalog anything last in the school that i just came from i used an old planter box and just put a stainless steel sink in there and i think that was actually probably one of the better mud kitchens we have one here that is bought and it's really wobbly and like they, they like it, but it's not gonna last the same way as something else. I know Roanne uh, does, you know, sometimes on the ground with, uh, sorry, another one of our colleagues does, yeah. you know, uses, you know, sometimes just puts a box out or on a blanket or something like that. So it, I think they'll make the kitchen as part of the imaginative play, but having the tools to do that, I think like the items that they can cook with mm. or that they can put things in, they love to mix, they love to stir and make concoctions and things like that they love the wood chips in there I don't think the custodians like it very much but they love taking the the wood chips or they use them
2: all the time they love filling and dumping too right filling things up dumping it out yeah they they really uh they like doing that stuff too
3: and even just they they don't have to have water there's no water source for us outside but it's really nice for them to um we talk about where has nature given us water? So they have to Ooh. find it, source of the water and they're looking, they're hunting for the places where water, water can gather and how to collect it and move it to where they need to. So it's all the problem solving that we
0: like to cover
3: out there and they do it so naturally.
0: I just love how it's all open-ended material is and kind of like how Jen had shared, just before she had to sneak away there, um, was about, you know, it really is the children will show you kind of what you, they know or they become like those explorers and we can kind of follow their lead. And that even just because it's outside, it doesn't mean we can't have like the same learning areas that you might see in an indoor classroom or we can't take, you know, some of that mud kitchen learning and apply it inside. Hopefully we've inspired some uh, pots and pans to be dug out from the thrift stores. I know that was what I was going to share is actually yeah, the pots and pans were one of my favorite things to bring outside, or the stirring bowls or that type of thing. I used to use the element covers as like magnetic boards, dry erase boards for the children to use outdoors. Cookie sheets are good for that too. Mm -hmm. Really important piece of
3: that is that when you're looking for, when you're sourcing materials, you can ask families and even if they can't give to a classroom in terms of monetary value or um, something store-bought, they usually are able to find, you know, the cardboard boxes or the Mm -hmm. sticks or um, an old pot or, you know, some kitchen spoons. Those are ways for them to feel like they're part of the school, part of um, contributing to their child's classroom. And then we get to reuse and we get to talk about how you know it didn't go to the landfill we we got to reuse it and it's it's getting some it's we're using it again to do fun things in a different way and i think that's really important for the kids to know and they're proud of it when their families can bring in something Mm -hmm. right
0: those recyclables are great yeah you talked about the buckets i mean even just those old yogurt containers or applesauce containers i mean so it doesn't have to be a lot of money spent which is a message we always like to share yeah how can we reuse repurpose and we don't want we don't always need to go right to that catalog
1: that we collect is the, the two liter milk cartons collect those for making for in the winter time for freezing to make blocks so those make really good bricks for, of ice. Just take the top off of it, right, and then just fill it with water. Or you can hide stuff in it, like hide a dinosaur in it or something like that um, in the wintertime. So ice in the winter. Right now, I think, uh, Belinda, you were saying at the beginning when I logged on about how this this time of year, like, there's not really much out there. I think that I've been waiting for the snow uh, mm-hmm. because... It, once there's snow then we can do the ice and we can do use the snow itself as a loose part right and then when it's really nice that we've got the grass we've got you know the bugs the digging and all that stuff this is this is difficult
2: mm-hmm, this
1: yeah. time of year is probably the most difficult because the ground's hard and yeah. uh there's not much growing or anything um there's no leaves on the trees there's not so I think this is probably one of the more we have to be really creative very <laughs> yeah yeah
3: and once you've talked about how creatures migrate or adapt or you know hibernate there's comes a point where now we have to talk about something else and it's a really tricky time Mm -hmm. um for kids to continue um doing great things outside but they do they manage to find the joy
1: and as long as you're putting out some interesting things I think it works yeah we have to bring it in right if we don't have it that's something that I've been doing a lot this year is bringing in we don't have a lot of the nature around us or we don't have a forest to go through but I just make sure it comes to us right so I'm clipping off tree samples from on my walks with the dog or with yeah. whatever you know I'm I'm getting not from people's private properties but, <laughs> right, but um you know I'm bringing in things so that they have they can see those samples of it right and they can smell and they can touch and all those sorts of things and with this time of year we can we can find things around our houses that are different from here and we can bring those into where their play is, right?
0: I love that idea of bringing the nature to the children because it's true not all of our schools have that ready-made forest nearby or the same kind of vegetation so yeah it's great if you can bring some of that nature and allow exploring of things that they might not see in their neighborhood but then also talk about what's in their neighborhood Mm -hmm. at other times.
1: I was thinking back to the mud (laughs) kitchen actually with bringing in things like older things is potted plants that are dying Mm -hmm. Um, at my house I tend to have a lot (laughs) (laughs) those are great things to bring in and for if families are happy to get rid of those a lot of the times to come in and then adding some scissors which adds to the fine motor um, or even just ripping in the mud kitchen or and I'm I I think that Julie and I are using the word mud kitchen loosely, right? It's, it's, right. Yes. There's no well, mud right now. There's yeah. no mud. <laughs> yeah. I mean, sometimes there's mud, but it, there's other things too, right? Those uh, plants like being able to cut and rip and. different colors and stuff like that and those are a great way to get some other materials out there
0: thank you for sharing all of those great ideas if there was one thing that you wanted to share what might be one of your favorite things about your role as a specialty educator
3: i think for me it is that i can have the exact same materials out for all five classes i can have i can do the same activity from year to year and it is never the same it's the classes bring so the kids bring their own sort of vibrant ideas no matter what is out there um, and it's always different it's always changing uh, and we're always having to to figure out something something else and I just love how flexible it is when we're outside and we kind of really have to be flexible because our our roles change based on the weather waste on the wind which I hate <laughs>
1: based on another really tricky one
3: yeah just based on whatever's happening around us and I think that keeps me on my toes and I'm always excited for the new challenge of that
1: I love how it's different all the time too and I love I love being outside anyway Mm -hmm. so that's I kind of I talk about it like my camp counselor hat comes out when I'm in this role right and just you know how you just make things work and you change things and you make them bigger outside and you just and just seeing different kids throughout the day and up and moving. It just the day goes by really fast, but it's busy. Some people it's not for them. It's a lot because you're just always running from one place to another. And I agree. And I think that's what I love about it. I think that when I do find myself in one place for the whole day, it's That's difficult
0: (laughs) now. Thank you again for sharing all that information, some of those great tools and how you're building those relationships. And uh, hopefully we've inspired some more people to get outside and see some more Mud Kitchen and Mud Kitchen recipes after this uh, episode.
3: Thanks, Wilda. Thank you.
0: I would like to thank Julie, Jennifer and Joanna for taking the time to share with us today about their roles as kindergarten specialty educators. If you are looking for ideas to support planning and inquiry in the outdoors, visit the Outdoor Learning section of the Kindergarten Toolkit on SharePoint. There you can find a direct link to the Kindergarten Outdoor Field Guides that were created by Thames Valley's Environmental Educator Team. Thank you again for joining us and tune in next month to Curious in Kindergarten, where we explore topics that matter to you.